Hi everybody, this is Steven Strum, Managing Editor of Fanbyte.com, and also co-host and frequent host of FanWith, and you love to see it. Those are the two podcasts that we do every week, and this is one of them. This is the Thursday one, where we talk about movies and probably TV at some point in the future. We haven't done it yet, but it's on the docket. Speaking of things that are on the docket, we've been wanting to do this episode for a little bit here. Uh, we are this week talking about the uh, holiday horror movie from a couple years ago called Krampus by Michael Doherty, the director behind Trick or Treat, another holiday horror movie that we really like. And we get into that whole shebang in this episode between me, Merritt, and Danielle. The one problem that we ran into was uh, we think that there was maybe a problem with Audacity uh, about halfway through the episode about 30-35 minutes in, Danielle's audio quality does drop pretty considerably. Uh, it's still completely audible. You can still hear what is being said and make it out, but it does sound like you're hearing it through a cell phone rather than a high-quality microphone like the rest of the episode sounds like. So it is a little bit jarring, and I wanted people to know ahead of time that that was going to happen so that you're not surprised and you know that we haven't, uh, you know, we didn't miss it or something like that. We're, we're well aware of it, but unfortunately we didn't, uh, we weren't able to salvage the audio in any way that... Uh, made it sound any better, so this time you might just have to uh, kind of grin and bear it with us. I'm sorry about that one. I think this is a fantastic episode overall. I was actually really proud of the conversation we had in this one, uh, so it's a little bit of a bummer to know that the audio isn't quite up to snuff when we kind of wanted to have this uh, very special holiday-themed episode for you going up that we're recording uh, ahead of time to make sure that you guys all have something to listen to while you're out dealing with family and friends and all that good stuff and not-so-good stuff. But uh, hopefully you can uh, forgive us for this one. Uh, we'll definitely look into the problem and try and uh, fix it for future episodes so it doesn't happen again. But in the meantime, please do enjoy this really fun episode of If You Love to See It uh, on Krampus. Thanks. Bye. shows and then tell you all about them. I'm Danielle and this week we are watching Michael Doherty's 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 I don't know 2015 <laughs> Christmas horror comedy Krampus with Merritt. Hey what's up? And Steven. Hello I told you the holidays were coming to get you. <laughs> you sure did. I you weren't wrong Steven because they they came and they got me. I was grabbed by the ghoulies. Uh, real bad by, by Krampus here. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just start us off by reading a description of the movie, and we can kind of talk a little bit about plot, and then I want to talk about uh, some our some of our reactions, some of our positives and negatives for this movie, uh, because I think there are a lot of both. So, <laughs> without further ado, so Krampus is an of course a 2015 film, so it's a relatively recent uh, horror comedy Christmas time movie. Uh, Wikipedia says, while the holiday season represents the most magical time of the year, ancient European folklore warns of Krampus, a horned beast who punishes naughty children at Christmas time when dysfunctional family squabbling causes young Max, MJ Anthony, to lose his festive spirit, it unleashes the wrath of the fearsome demon. As Krampus lays siege to the Engel home, mom, Tony Collette, pop, Adam Scott, sister, Stefania Levy Owen, and brother, 
must band together to save one another from a monstrous fate. I'm going to say that that's more or less accurate, but it's not really accurate to what's going on here. First of all, I don't think this family is actually dysfunctional. I think they're actually fairly normal. Uh, And second of all, they're ignoring the whole part of this movie that makes it great, which is the fact that their relatives come to visit in like the second scene. So there's a sort of family. They're like a liberal ish well-to-do, fairly affluent family who have less well-to-do cousins, aunt and uncle and Aunt Dorothy, who come to town to kind of celebrate Christmas. It's a very Christmas vacation kind of theme, kind of vibe going on. And then, of course, the demon comes and all hell breaks loose. And that's basically the movie. So I'm going to stop talking because I want to hear, uh, Stephen and Merritt, I want to hear your reactions and I want to hear if this is the first time you've watched the movie. Merritt, do you want to start us off? Yeah, okay, so this is the first time I've seen Krampus, and first of all, like, when did the Krampus re-enter the public imagination? Because the first time I remember hearing about it was in, like, 2009 on the Colbert Report. (laughs) Sure. I feel like he sort of brought it to public consciousness in the States, like, because people didn't know what Krampus was in the States, like, 20 years ago, I don't think. Yeah. No, definitely not. Like, this is a relative... I know it's, like, been a thing in uh, Central Europe forever, but this is, like, not something that... This movie could not have come out, like, 10 years ago or, like, 20 years ago. Right. Right, totally. But, yeah, so um, I love the premise. Um, When I started watching it, I was like, oh, this feels similar to one of my favorite horror movies of all time, Trick or Treat. And then yes. I realized like, oh, that's because Michael Doherty did Trick or Treat as well. Um, <laughs> I don't like the, I don't think the premise is quite as clever or interesting here just because to me, the idea of like, oh, you've forgotten the spirit of Christmas is something that has been done in like a lot of movies. That's mm-hmm. like a whole genre of Christmas movies. The idea of, you've forgotten the spirit of Halloween is completely unhinged. And like, that's what makes that movie so great because mm-hmm. like people are being Halloween humbugs and like, that's why sack boy has to get them or whatever his name is. <laughs> sack, sack boy is Sam. the uh, Sam, Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Sam. So He's this so is like, cute. I feel like not as like interesting a premise. And um, when we get to like the plot of the movie, I want to talk about like some of the ways that I think the movie fails in the third act and kind of falls Mm -hmm. apart. Um, It was really enjoyable. The first little while of it. I love a Christmas movie about families being terrible. Like it feels very uh, like Christmas vacation, like you said, but also home alone um, Mm -hmm. with like just this family (laughs) piling into this house. Um, The terrible cousins and like aunt and uncle. (laughs) As soon as I saw David Koechner come in, I was like, okay, I'm on board. Like, this is great. <laughs> Here we go. We've already yeah. got Adam Scott and Tony Collette, and then David Koechner walks in, and I'm like, all right, yeah, let's fucking do it. And then um, Conchata Farrell comes in. Yes. And it's like, oh, my God. Okay, great. This is, like, the character actors they have in this film are fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, I uh, – it was, it was kind of a fun ride, and I – I enjoyed it quite a bit. And again, yeah, I have, I, I feel like it, it kind of fails um, as a horror movie and uh, falls into this trap that a lot of Christmas movies do, but we can talk about that later. Yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. I, and I fully agree. Uh, Steven, do you want to, do you want to give your, your sort of uh, high level thoughts here? And, and was this the first time you saw it? 
This was the first time I had ever seen it. Uh, I remember seeing ads for it on TV at the time and thinking to myself, even back then, like, you know, there's something to this. I don't know. Like, I think this movie <laughs> came out in 2015, I think. Um, yeah. And I just remember even at the time thinking, like, oh, that's so ridiculous and that's so silly that they would make a movie based on Krampus and whatever. But then, like, seeing the trailers me like, you know, you know. Maybe there's something to this, and <laughs> I think that is kind of what led to us ultimately doing this, is because that stuck in my brain enough to remember the monster designs a little bit, and the monster designs by Weta Workshop, I think, in this, yes, um, are really, really strong, and um, I think probably the th entire thing that the movie hinges on, uh, it's... It's weird. I, I think we're all going to fall on a pretty, pretty close on the same spectrum of opinions yeah. <laughs> for this movie. But um, uh, Merritt bringing up uh, Trick or Treat, Trick or Treat also has some really great practical effects uh, monsters in that movie as well. But I feel like Trick or Treat um, leaned into the idea of like Western horror movies have rules and you follow those rules and then it played with those rules. And that's not necessarily new for horror movies, but it did it in a really good way. It, it was very committed to that bit of like, ah, uh, yes, they are following the Halloween rules and as twisted as they may, might be in this case, there's a certain logic that the movie adheres to throughout, uh, whereas this movie kind of super does not do that, I feel like, uh, especially at the end in the, in the third act. Um, it doesn't follow its own logic uh, enough to kind of like make the silly premise really uh, feel committed. And mm -hmm. instead, what we get is it's a, it's a slow burn at the very beginning, which is good. But I think like as you get into the third act, you realize that they were doing it was a slow burn because it's a 90 minute movie and they knew that they had good monsters and they just needed to kill a bunch of time for <laughs> as long as possible to get to <laughs> just barely feature length mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And and then show the monsters and then get out as quickly as they could. So that's kind of my uh, overarching, like, top-level opinion on the film. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, it is a note that we will, I think, kind of come back to. Uh, but I, I do feel like there were kind of two movies here. Uh, and one is a very funny and very, honestly, very good kind of modern Christmas vacation reboot, basically, mm -hmm. of, like, horrible family bullshit we have to live together we don't get along we're having arguments at the dinner table all this shit kind of happens and because of the quality of the performances right it it really actually works i think the first half of this movie is hysterically funny i genuinely get uh i think a few of the jokes don't land and there are some kind of shitty jokes which we will kind of talk right. about i think uh but in general these are really great comedic actors and character actors working together to absolutely sell this hell of a holiday you know, kind of uh, vibe. And it's it's funny and it's good. So let's, uh, I guess let's kind of talk a little bit about the intro sequence, which for some reason, Max, uh, the young boy, is in a play at a mall, uh, which is interesting. Uh, it it kind of mashes up sort of uh, Black Friday kinds of feelings of people, you know, basically uh, mauling one another to get to sales at a mall. And again, for some reason, his school play is also taking place there little bit of a of a weird mashup but hey it happens and he has gotten into a fight with another kid on stage and that kind of sets the stage for the Engel family's holiday hell they come home and you know mom Tony Collette is kind of barely holding it together she is the perfect suburban white lady just kind of holding it together being like I ah I hate everything she's clenching her teeth 
there's literally a line from the teen daughter about uh, her trying to bring it back into her face about some people shouldn't be allowed to breed. And then uh, Tony Collette is like hanging a picture or something, you know, making her her home look perfect and Christmassy for the family to come over. And she's, you know, under her breath is like, I said they should take a test before they breed, which is the most. Right. If, you, if you go to a liberal white family Christmas, <laughs> let me tell yep. you how perfect and spot on of a, a performance this is. And quickly, uh, we're introduced to Omi, who is the uh, the sort of grandma. She is a uh, German woman who has seen some shit uh, that you can kind of tell right away. Uh, she's watching uh, a, a, an older performance of uh, A Christmas Carol in black and white in the, the sort of kitchen TV as the rest of the family comes in. And you already know Omi... Omi knows what's up. Omi has clearly had some sort of experience with Krampus before. She knows something horrible is about to happen. And we have something of an inciting incident here where the rest of the family comes in. They are from, like, rural Pennsylvania or something. Uh, Dad loves guns. They forget the baby in the car. The baby has pooped everywhere. Uh, It's just, like, the most wonderful kind of sequence. And Dorothy, Dorothy, who uh, is not Tony Collette's favorite person in the world, is here to drink a lot and shit on everybody's day, and it is absolutely wonderful. She is a star of the show here, I think, in a lot of ways. And uh, Max has written a letter to Santa, uh, and one of the uh, young girls, one of the cousins, reads it out loud, and it has a lot of personal things about the family. This causes Max to rip up the letter, hence sort of calling upon the dark energy of Krampus to come in and wreck this family's life. So that's kind of the first (laughs) act just want to get a, a general feeling here on how the first act goes. Do other people like it as much as I did? Because I I love the first act of this movie. I've seen it twice now. I actually went back and saw it again. And I was just like, there is so much promise here. There is mm-hmm. so much promise. There is so much like good comedy, the kind of comedy that makes you like, oh my god, this could be my family, or this could be a family that I've you know seen or known. Uh, it's it just little things in the performances are really really good. So yeah, do, do other folks like this kind of beginning as much as I do, I guess? Um, yes and no. Um, I, I like that, uh, you, I think you na- hit the nail on the head, uh, they're talking about Tony Collette's line about the, uh, families and breeding and stuff like that. Like, I think that they do a good job in this movie, a surprisingly good job, I think, because, like, or, you know, we get, um, Mary, you said the name of the actor, uh, who plays the uncle in this film? Oh, yeah, oh, David, David Koechner. Koechner? Yeah. yeah, David Koechner, yeah, who is not John Carroll Lynch, who I keep confusing <laughs> him with constantly. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so, you know, he's the gun-loving kind of right-wing, definitely a member of the NRA type character and everything like that. And he's a huge <laughs> asshole to uh, Adam Scott's character in this movie, the dad. Um, but also we get, you know, we get to see Tony Collette kind of also be like, you know, we, we kind of get that moment of like, yeah, suburban liberals are definitely, definitely like one step away. Like they definitely voted, if not, mm, you know, who could say who they voted for in, in the last election? <laughs> you know, one way or the other, I think, well, definitely not uh, Bernie or definitely not, you know, certain other people. They're, you know, they just think that the Republican Party just needs to get back to its, you know, sort of more moderate roots. And if we could just get this Trump guy out of there... It would be fine. Um, You know, he's the real problem. Um, We just need to find a bipartisan solution. And they are definitely that. (laughs) Like, they are, like, one step away from, like, again, she's basically joking, one step away from eugenics. Um, 
And that part I, I really like. I really like the opening uh, montage in the mall of people, like, you know, pushing past each other and stuff like that, even though it does kind of lead into the more kind of, like, stock, cheesy Christmas, like, everybody's just obsessed with consumerism, and that's the problem. Um, but it's a fun little intro. I think... And and this is that I'm actually as you were explaining that I was also like rereading the synopsis for uh, Trick or Treat again <laughs> because just yep. remembering how much I like that movie. <laughs> um, and I was just thinking about like there is so much potential in this movie that are spe- specifically around Max and what they could have done with the holiday theming and stuff like that around like ah yes Max is the Christmas loving kid uh, Omi is the Christmas like you know Christmas slash Krampus expert they are clearly <laughs> setting up some kind of like you know, arc with these characters uh, for them to do something around the holiday stuff in a similar, like, almost in a reverse way of, like, what Trick or Treat is, which Trick or Treat is, like, obviously people being terrorized based on, like, Halloween legends and, and traditions, whereas, like, uh, I I thought this was going to go in a direction where, like, Sam was like, aha, you know, now that you know, we all have to come together to experience these certain holiday traditions and stuff that, like, we as a family, you know, prove that we as a family have come together. And that is going to be, you know, by by doing these little things, we can fight back against the monsters. And then that just kind of never ha- materializes. That never happens. And, yeah. like, <laughs> the movie forgets Max exists, basically, between <laughs> Act 1 and Act 3. He just kind of exists to stand in doorways and say mom every like 15 minutes or so and ask what's going on uh and i think that is a huge bummer i think you can't talk about the first act or third act of this movie without like just talking about how the second one is just kind of like okay like yep we're we're moving along here i guess like things are happening but nothing is really it, it just feels like marking time for so much of the movie and yeah, I don't know. It's it's a strange it's a strange kind of waste of uh, potential energy. I feel like. Yeah, Merit. Uh, how, how about you? How did you find the intro and first third here? Yeah, there's like a lot of promise. I feel like. Um, I mean, I think the intro is like a little weak with just like the uh, the montage uh, over the song. Um, which which song <laughs> is it again? Oh, is it Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas? I think so. It might it's be, one of the uh... classics. Yeah, it's one of the cheese ball classics. Yeah. Also, I just found out that this movie was produced by Legendary Pictures. Yes. But also it says Zam Pictures. And yeah, I, 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 I can't find wrong. any information on Zam Pictures. And I'm like, was that us? <laughs> Did we do <laughs> Did this we make one? This? <laughs> Did we make, Did we make this one? Um, Uh-oh. Yeah, no, I can't find anything else about it. Full disclosure. This isn't... Yeah, no, but Zam Pictures doesn't seem to exist, so I, it just redirects to Michael Doherty. So, yes, it's a super uh, nice. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, no, I um, I love the character of Omi. I love this, like, this uh, kind of, like, ominous German woman who, like, only speaks in German, but, like, the family all understands German, but she, like... Right. Uh, doesn't speak English very much. And, uh, you know, and he's like, this kid is like, oh, do you, do you still believe in Santa Claus? And she's like, yes, I believe in St. Nicholas, but I believe he is what you make of him. It's like, he is the Christmas spirit. He's the spirit of sacrifice <laughs> and giving. And I was right. like, damn, old German woman. That's like some real <laughs> old ass German woman shit right there. Uh, Let me tell you about East Berlin. Gosh, oh my God. In this animated montage. Oh, <laughs> Let me yeah. tell you about my fucking, how my family was dragged to hell in this like Coraline ass yep. animated <laughs> yeah. sequence that was like definitely 
I don't know. That was very strange. The whole like, it's, ugh. yeah, that's not that much, is, so much later, I guess. But right, but it is the it is the moment of the movie that definitely made me feel like the most like boy. They really, really wanted to hit ninety minutes. Like, they, yeah, they, definitely they really have they had to fill a bunch of time with yeah with like unused Coraline footage. Um, <laughs> but okay, so I love the setup of this whole movie. Yeah. Like, I love the the scene with like the you know it's like kind of stock christmas stuff right like the fight yeah. like this is basically like the setup to home alone as well with like yeah. mm-hmm. kevin being like i wish my family would disappear uh and then the waking up the next day with like just the total like <laughs> just blanket of snow and then right. the power being out and it so quickly escalates of just like okay it's a trapped in the house movie uh and like, it's just I, the mood of that, like the feeling of that was so evocative to me of like, oh, all the neighbors are on vacation. They're all gone. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, you can't get anywhere. The power is out. Oh, we're all fucked. Um, and then just like the way that they slowly raise the stakes on it, I feel like was really effective. Yeah. From like, that, oh, this is an inconvenient seems- situation to a stressful one to an upsetting one to like, uh, scary one, I think was right. was effective. Yeah. yeah, to like you know, I I th- think they do a pretty good job of that. Even though I think it again kind of brushes up against my kind of core problem with this movie is that it's not committed enough to its own schlockiness, uh, its its own <laughs> bit, basically of the hollow of the Christmas thing, which yeah. is that like that when uh, the sister I don't remember her name um, finds Meg, like maybe Meg, sure, something it's Seth a white girl I don't eye. know Meg, yeah. <laughs> Um, but when she finds, like, the, like, cryogenically frozen corpse of the DHL fucking delivery man inside of the truck, like, and that's kind of, like, the first scene of, like, aha, yes, now we know that shit is popping off for real, for real. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I need to ask right here just about that, and I, I, I do, I do want to hear the rest of that thought, but right here, I, I watched this part twice, and... They never make this clear in the movie, but I thought there was like a very direct implication with they bring in the presents that were not actually theirs or not actually sent to them. And that is like what fully invites Krampus in right. to like to the home. And I could be just like fully making that up, fully like Halloween rules kind of bullshit. But it's almost like a Krampus won't actually drag you all to hell unless you do something. Well, which I don't know is actually true. I feel like not. it was more just I think it was more just like, um, a way of getting inside the house. Like right. he could have just smashed through the window or whatever, but this was like, he was like sneaking in, you know? Yeah. Right. yeah that makes Which sense. I do. I am. I have this in the notes too. Uh, I am a sucker for movies with like basically omnipotent monsters that can like <laughs> teleport and control the weather and warp time and space by the end of this movie. Uh-huh. But for whatever reason, individually fuck with people. for no Yeah. Reason. <laughs> yeah. That is extremely They have nothing good. better to do. <laughs> yeah, um, much better. But also, yeah, like there's, there's, we we know for a fact that like the move, like you can still get got in this movie if you don't do anything bad on Christmas because uh, the snowplow driver and the DHL guy both get murked for no apparent reason. Also, uh, the baby, like also the baby. baby. The well, baby didn't do shit. That's just original right? sin, right? Oh, <laughs> and also, she it's not. It, it isn't yet. about yeah. what any of those people did also it's not about what anyone did wrong it's about punching this child for uh for like giving up on christmas right yeah i that's my actual 
I have two core problems with this movie, and we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I will just just to foreshadow them, just like the storm coming in. Right. Uh, one is that what the fuck is the actual kind of takeaway here? Like most fairy tales, <laughs> right. at least have yeah. some kind of takeaway of like, oh, don't be a fucking idiot and go into the woods and eat all your breadcrumbs or whatever. Whatever you're supposed to learn about Hansel and Gretel, I may be twisting that. You know what I mean? There's always like no, you got some it. Some yeah, lesson. This is just like. Don't give up hope or he'll take your hope from you, asshole. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like, and yeah. also, you can never get hope back because even yeah, if you hope decide back, to self-sacrifice, you're still you're fucked. Because you're in hell. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just like, what? What well, I think we'll get to that because the ending is is bizarre. But it's yeah, very it's, strange. And they definitely were like, oh, we need to figure out some way to end this. But um, yeah. so, like, yeah, we've got the, the, the blizzard happens. Um, yeah. Also, right before that, though, when... Uh, when the dad is like, oh, Max, like, yeah, uh, holidays are crazy, but, like, you should always love your family. And, like, you you know, there are people that you should try to be friends with. And he's like, why? And he's just like, no, I don't know. <laughs> like, you got me there, buddy. And it's like, why? <laughs> like, yeah, this movie does not have an answer for that, which is well, frustrating. He, he, he kind of follows yeah. up. He tries to follow up with the, like, well, maybe it makes us work a little bit harder to see the things that we do have in common. And it's just like, I don't even know if I fe- I don't know if I even agree with that statement if that is the statement of this movie is making. Yeah, yeah no, I don't think it's... he even believed his own shit there. No, yeah. He's clearly <laughs> just like, well, I don't know why I have to do this, but I feel like I do, so... um sorry <laughs> like uh sorry you get cro- cro- caught in the crossfire my children yeah <laughs> so yeah they go so then we get this like tom and howard like moment where like they go out to like find beth and the line a shepherd has to protect his flock is said about half a dozen times which <laughs> like so weird okay um so in this metaphor like your children are sheep but also your wife is and your children are the sheep that uh, you and your sheep wife created yep. <laughs> in your unholy yeah, union. Okay, good. Uh, That's how Krampus was born. That's why he's got goat legs. Oh, that makes <laughs> sense. Yeah. No, but. Th- that line, that specific line makes no fucking sense to me in this entire movie or why it is given so much importance. It's very weird because like it's almost, I feel like in another movie that would be like oh, the main character, like, the the dad needs to learn to be, like, less cowardly and, like, more of a man mm-hmm. or whatever. But, like, that's not a subplot in this movie at all. Like, from no. the beginning, he steps up and, like, the his, like, brother-in-law is forced to admit, like, oh, I'm sorry that I thought you were, like, a doofus. You clearly, like, know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> a spineless dick, yeah, yes. I think is the, is the term. Yeah, because he, uses, he was a Boy Scout and not a yeah. football player. Which, like, yeah. okay, um... And they go and, like, find that, like, they go and check, like, Beth's boyfriend's house, and it's, like, totally destroyed. Like, the chimney exploded, and then they get attacked by, like, a monster, uh, and uh, they're like, oh, fuck, we just gotta, like, go back and, like, board up the house. Yeah. And, um... I actually like this sequence a lot, even though the the shepherd shit makes no sense whatsoever. This is kind of the only place where the horror actually worked for me in this mm, movie. I don't think right. most of the stuff towards the end is scary in this light. I'm just no. For yeah. me personally, I was pretty much laughing at a lot of the creature stuff towards the end. Like, yes, they look creepy, they look horrifying, but like, it's not scary at all. It's it's like you know, four comedic actors basically chewing scenery and having fun with. 
crazed puppets, you know, at that right. point. But this was actually pretty scary. The sort of slow burn, slow build. Okay, the boyfriend's house is total. There's a gingerbread man stabbed on the on the fridge, and the you know the right wing dad is all like, "Oh, this is really messed up." You know, it's, <laughs> it's it's very good, and it and it is absolutely very big. Like the performances are big pretty much throughout. I mean, there are actually a few scenes that I thought were kind of lovely and fairly subtle little character moments, but, you know, sort of between family members that I thought were pretty nice. But, like, this is, like, a big performance and it reminds me so much, and this is a very Christmas vacation thing, uh, and that's a movie, like, you know, just to pull back the kimono, I watch that every year with my family to the point where we can basically quote the whole thing. And I know that's not at all, like, I'm sure lots of families can do that. Um, But, there's a scene in that movie where all the men feel the need to go on almost like a hunting expedition for a squirrel that has come into the house on their second Christmas tree. And it like right. the music changes to horror and it's like, oh, this is a very serious scene. And I can't get that out of my head for this sort of sequence with the two dads out there with the guns and there's a monster and oh my God, it's actually pretty scary. But because it's so heightened, it also works as being a little funny. And this mm-hmm. I actually think is like, one of the places where the movie kind of shines in terms of like, oh, this is actually a little scary and actually pretty funny. And it's working nicely uh, in, in this way where I think once we kind of go into the second half of the movie, again, being like 90 minutes, we're almost into the first, you know, into the second half here. Right. Where it just goes into straight, basically slapstick slash horror and just doesn't work as well as this sequence, which actually has some scary shots in it. And actually, it's it's interesting because uh, I think, uh, Daniel, you actually kind of hinted at this a little bit at near the beginning of the podcast, too, where it was, like, talking about how there's, like, multiple movies here. Yeah. And this is the scene to me that, like, feels like, oh, it's not just two movies. This movie, like, can't quite commit to being any one kind of movie at any time. <laughs> yeah. Because, th- because that scene is, like, you're right, it works. And it actually, it reminds me of, like... I don't even know what you would call this. It's not really enough. I don't think there are enough movies to really call it a subgenre, but it was the, it was the actually the kind of the initial thing that drew me to the movie from the ads and stuff. And I saw like, oh, there's a snowstorm affecting this entire place and they can't find any of their neighbors. Like what's going on? Like space and time is warped around them or whatever. Remind me a little bit of the mist. You know, if you know sure, that movie. or the book. Sure. Yeah. 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 Where it was like, you know, it's like a sudden apocalypse where it's just like normal people are just suddenly like thrust into this weird new rules of the way the world works kind of thing. Um, And actually, at that point, I would have almost liked the movie to be like lean harder into that and just like, what if the entire town or what if their entire neighborhood was like, you know, trapped inside of a snow globe and they, they all had to work together as a community to do this. And it was less about the family stuff and more about like, you know, just how people reacted a weird crisis or something like that. I think that could have been an interesting direction to take this and then uh also the like you know halloween theme or the the i keep saying halloween because of trick-or-treat the (laughs) the christmas themed sort of like you know holiday movie thing could have also worked if they leaned that way but they don't lean that way either the 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 full-on comedy horror thing could have gone well too but they don't really completely commit to that either and also i think and this is something we'll probably get to as we get to especially talking about the third act finally is uh i think this movie suffers from being pg-13 I think sure. they, I think they, I, I'm of two minds about it because I think the, again, this is third act talk again already, but um, the idea of having 
monsters that rather than kill you ambiguously drag you to hell and are designed for that purpose (laughs) is actually really effective like having that big jack-in-the-box that like cocoons people inside of its like throat is is cool and almost scarier than if it was just killing people um and it's a good way to like not have a ton of gore so you can maybe get away with that pg-13 but i feel like that's like the one trick they have is that jack-in-the-box thing and then they kind of like (laughs) run out of other ideas again then uh, uh if we want to talk about themed silly like uh horror comedies one of my other favorite horror movies of all time uh killer clowns from outer space oh. um i feel like is a movie that really 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 leans into its gimmick on that on that front on like having like people literally getting like cocooned in cotton candy and carried away in balloon cages and attacked by popcorn monsters and all these other little things that this movie just like either didn't have the budget or the time or the interest in doing uh with its creatures past just having good looking monsters um and i think part of that is the rating i think that is they maybe felt a little hamstrung by the fact that they couldn't like get creative with gore or kills or anything yeah yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that tone change happens right around here, just after kind of, uh, I'm just going to call them right-wing dad and left-wing dad, because whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, right after right-wing dad is... Uh, sh- right-wing is dad bitten. and centrist dad. Yeah, Sorry. Right-wing dad and centrist... You're absolutely right. Uh, if, if it was left-wing dad, we'd be t- having a different conversation. Uh, right-wing <laughs> dad and centrist dad come back. Uh, centrist dad has fired a gun, and he did it correctly, and he shot whatever was trying to drag the other uh, left uh, right-wing dad to hell. NRA dad. Let's just, NRA dad. <laughs> Here we go. It's NRA dad. Uh, he gets bitten by something, and they have a whole discussion about what to tell the kids, who to deal with, wh- how people deal with what. At this point, there's only been one kind of death, right? And Or, or whatever happens to the people yeah, the when they are attacked. It's the sister. It's Meg. It's whoever. Uh, and that was actually also a scary-ass Beth, Oh, I think you're right, Mary. Her name is I think Beth. It is Beth. Yeah. Beth. Sorry, sorry. It's Beth. You're absolutely right. So Beth has, has also has, you know, been uh, whatevered in, in a scary sequence. And again, I, I like the sort of working together of this. I actually, uh, when all the descriptions say dysfunctional family, dysfunctional family. And I'm like, actually, these people are working together pretty nicely. And you notice, uh, again, <laughs> watching it twice, in several sequences, every parent goes hog wild to try to save any of the kids. Like whether or not right. they actually get along, they are all completely committed to like kind of working together, which I think is nice in a way. Like I don't actually think they're dysfunctional. I think they're a pretty normal family uh, dealing with a wild kind of circumstance. And maybe that is also part of that kind of slow burn at the beginning. We are getting a lot of character moments. We are getting a lot of things like, uh, you know, centrist dad for all his faults is not exactly like Mr. Toxic Masculinity. He like hugs his son and tells him he loves him. And I always sort of love seeing that in movies like dads who aren't just only affectionate with female characters, that kind of thing. So there, there are a lot of nice little things here. But I think the point, the kind of turning point of the whole movie, when we get to kind of a bit of a downfall, is the infamous fireplace gingerbread man sequence yeah. uh, which in itself is is great in a lot of ways I, i'm not saying it's not problematic there are some issues with it for sure it in itself is fucking hysterical very very funny and actually played really well but this is really kind of the peak where things are going to go downhill at least in my opinion at this point so uh the family what remains of the family just most people uh, minus beth uh have gone to sleep everybody's kind of cuddled up uh, NRA dad has decided to take first watch and of course he falls asleep first 
and uh, a an evil gingerbread man comes down on a meat hook. He comes down the chimney on a meat hook and entices. And this is the part that sucks. He does entice the like sort of bigger kid, uh, which is like a little shitty. Like, all right, come yeah. on, movie. You don't need you don't need to do this. But entices the the sort of bigger kid uh, with his cookiness. And then subsequently wraps him up in the chain, pulls him up through the chimney. And at this point, like pretty quickly, I have to say rapid response team here. Every adult in the family like lunges and jumps to kind of work together. Tony Collette's character, as much as she's like a shitty, you know, classist person, like she's the first one to lunge and try to grab the boy and try to save his life. Right. She also is the first person to see anything supernatural happening because she looks up at what's happening. The gingerbread man does an evil laugh in her face and she does a scream that is straight out of hereditary, which she would be in <laughs> a couple mm-hmm. of years later, like full hereditary face. This is Tony Collette. Absolutely. As if, like, which is <laughs> chef's kiss beautiful. And there's also a shot, a beautiful, gorgeous shot. As hell is breaking loose, there is a fire that has broken out in the room. Hell has fully broken loose, and Omi, thank God for Omi, crosses herself and just looks around like, oh no, oh, here it is. It's truly, truly amazing, wonderful sequence. I think it's very funny. It's a little scary, but it's much more funny than scary. Uh, I did want to ask specifically on this scene how you both felt about it. Merritt, how did you take this beautiful scene? Well, this is the moment that the movie just like goes completely. It just becomes completely unhinged because at this point yeah. I was like, "Wait, is this like a horror horror movie or like right. a like a comedy <laughs> horror?" Like I don't <laughs> know. And then like, Tony Collette, because you know we've well, I haven't seen Hereditary actually, but I have. You know, we I all know it. the face, <laughs> and like so, seeing this then was like, wait. What is this? <laughs> am I scared right now, or like, I don't think I am, but I'm scared because of how they're reacting. I think, um, and because Tony Collette is good. Because Tony <laughs> Collette is good at acting. Um, yeah, it's like very strange. Like, let me just wait. Go back to the summary. Okay, yeah, he lures the kid up. The the son. Of uh, Howie, of the, of the yeah, Howie, Howie Jr. Howie Jr. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, oh my God, the other two girls, uh, like because he has Stevie and Jordan, Stevie and yep. Jordan, <laughs> yeah, God, in like the letter that <sighs> that Max yeah. writes about just how shitty his family is or whatever, or like what is that? Because like one of the things yeah. is like, um, oh yeah, like he wishes that like his kids were boys or something and like like that letter he doesn't actually read out loud what the letter necessarily said but it is implied that he feels bad that their uncle wishes stevie and jordan were boys oh yes yeah oh yeah no he's not saying his family shitty he's like oh i wish like my parents loved each other which like Mm -hmm. blah blah blah. i feel bad about like my uncle having like these two girls and they're like shut up he doesn't wish we were boys and they're like just the most androgynous like yeah. it's so funny um yeah i don't know like then at this point this is when omi's like oh it's krampus yeah <laughs> i oh. should have maybe warned you about this 30 years ago <laughs> i should have told you that i should have told you that like the krampus is a real thing and that if you ever stop believing in christmas he will fuck you up so like hey this is a real thing that happened to me uh, and that could happen to anyone. This isn't like a war thing that happened. This isn't like mm-hmm. a, you know, a, a camp 
thing, a yeah. horrible real thing. It was like, oh, my family actually was taken by a demon. And like, right. you should know so that we don't have this happen again. Yeah. She doesn't like think to tell them at any nope. point. Like, Hey, I have physical evidence of this yeah, event happening yeah. in my past. I have this weird cursed ornament that I just happen to keep on my body at all times. I mean, I guess because probably they'd be like, okay, Omi, like, that's nice. Yeah. Because even after she tells them, um, they're like, that's crazy. You're okay. Yeah. This is crazy. We just did see a child get dragged up uh, a chimney by on a meat hook, on a meat hook, <laughs> yeah. but that's crazy. Um, but then the toys attack them, and they're like, oh, I see. I just got my ass kicked uh, by Christmas cookies. I'll believe anything. Or whatever, yes. so whatever he says, I can take it. Like, it's a, it's, I think you're right. It's a, yeah. it's, a great, it's a great line. And this is like, so we have this scene. We have this, this, this amazing scene. But then, yeah, things kind of take a turn, I think. Uh, it feels to me, and I could be wrong, but it feels to me as if either something got cut, it just left on the cutting room floor in terms of character development and who believes what and what's going on where, or they just didn't write it, which is even right. more bananas to me, uh, because it does not feel like this needed to be a 90-minute movie. This could have been a 120-minute movie with proper character development totally. and further slow burn pacing and, and kind of other stuff going on, but something, something went wrong here. Something went haywire. Krampus showed up in the writer's room. I don't know what happened exactly. But, like, something got... <laughs> he took Michael Doherty away yeah. because he didn't believe in Christmas. <laughs> something happened. By creating this movie, he, he yeah, he didn't believe in Christmas anyway. <laughs> That's what it is! Uh, the Krampus. But <sighs> this is the point at which, th- when they go up into the attic and they're, like, fighting the toys... That's the point at which this movie becomes a Joe Dante movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, uh, uh-huh. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But not, like, that's, but not a good one. Like, no. it becomes, like, a, a bad Joe Dante movie because, like, the scene with, like, the toys attacking them is very, like, gremlins, very, like, small soldiers, but, like, not in a way that, like, it's like, oh, this is a joke now, right? Like, this is yeah. funny because the toys are funny. Like, it's not, like scary and like it's Which, weird because tony collette is selling it as like horrifying <laughs> but like totally. it's just like oh it's like a little doll it's like a little creepy angel doll or like a robot like spider right. and like it's yeah and then like the aunt is like give me back my kids you fudger <laughs> and like okay okay so it's like funny for jokes yeah. laughing yeah Mm-hmm. But it's not really working. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, yeah, th- I mean, this is, I think, exactly tying back into what I was getting at earlier, which is I think that they just, like, didn't know what else to do with the concept at this point. Like, other than, like, they had these monsters. Like, you know, and you, I think you're Joe Dante. Your small, small soldiers is a fucking great pull here. Oh, because... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, because it is, because Small Soldiers is a movie that I watched, I was the exact right age for when that came out, mm-hmm. and watched so many times, and read the tie-in prequel novel, Amazing. And, <laughs> and did have a bunch of toys for, uh, in, uh, 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 daycare, um, <clears throat> but, uh, that movie is a movie that does so, so much with its, like, like, 
little monster like toy people it's little tommy lee jones uh fucking general mm-hmm. kurtz uh building weird frankenstein's monsters out of barbies and like giving them knives and nail guns and it was straight up the fucking scene like i was when i was watching this movie there's a scene where uh where uh the uncle gets his like leg shot up by a nail gun and i was like wow yeah. this really reminds me of something and i can't put my finger on it it was small fucking soldiers <laughs> Because that exact fucking thing happens in that movie. Because uh, they, they like strap a nail gun to like a RC helicopter. I'm pretty sure and do stuff like that. Like that kind of stuff is what this movie needed. It needed the like monsters to do more things themed around what they were. Instead, it's like the the toy robot stabbing because it has a knife arm. I guess it's the angel. Just kind. It looks awesome, but it just kind of like wiggles its weird CGI tongue at Tony Collette a bunch and oh, doesn't yeah. do anything. Like, the, the Jack in the Box is the one thing that super duper duper works for oh, me. Oh yeah, Derek, I, I... Derek Clown was like oh. very. That's very good. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so gross. Uh, it's so. It's disgusting. disgusting. It's, it's awful. Sound, more than anything, so masks always kind of scare me in general. Like anything mm. with like a frozen face like that, it, it's creeping me out even more than like a you know like an other kind of monster. So it's like this horrifying porcelain doll mask of a of a Jack in the Box. It's making these awful gurgle, like just digestion mm-hmm. noises, oh, and it's, it's just really like, bad. oh, I it's hate terrible. it. Oh, yeah, oh, it's worse than the Krampus. And that, it's worse than the Krampus, it, I think. And then it fucking drags its whole. There's like a, there is a physicality to that oh. creature as it is like trying and failing. It's not like it just like slips away into the night. <laughs> it like tries and fails multiple times yeah. to like slip into the vents because it's too fat now it's, because it's, it's got like a child in its yep. gullet. And like, boy, if there was just like, if there was just like two or three more moments like that in this third act i think is the, i think our opinion about this movie is very different yeah at that point yeah i think for you're sure, right yeah. i think you're absolutely right like, killer clowns was the thing that came up for me the most for this i mean it is like a clown like thing but it was also right. horrifying in the same way like big and gross like the killer clowns clowns are disgusting looking and they're not <sighs> just like slimy it's not just like viscera it's like a really gross sense about like digestion i know it sounds really awful but like this is really what like freaks me out about that movie uh you know another beautiful classic uh and another thing that uh halloween horror nights has done in haunted house for both the krampus and that movie so it's a fun fact that was actually how i first encountered krampus in my life was not watching the movie but it was going through the haunted house in 2015 or whatever it was and being like well that was cool and then never saw it until you know this year (laughs) So, like, I knew what Krampus looked like before I saw the movie, which is funny. Uh, slight aside there. Uh, but, yeah, let's uh, let's go into kind of the ending sequence here where basically everybody just dies in, like, a, in like a series of about <laughs> ten minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are elves, which Omi, Omi knows what the elves look like because she has survived. Oh, yeah. Sort of so, thing. yeah, they, they kill all the they, – they defeat all the toys, and they're like, oh, we did it. Yeah. Um, and then she's just like – Elves. The spirit of Chris movie. Remo was with her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's it's so Chris good. Remo talking about the Yule lads, just like <laughs> like a, a shared appreciation, mutually a, a mutual appreciation from Idle Thumbs episode about Krampus and the Yule lads. That was Honestly. what uh, uh, Omi had in that scene. Truly, truly, that's how it works. Yeah, it, oh, so, so good. Um, and then it pretty rapidly, 
uh, well, Howard Sr., uh, NRA dad, uh, has his final line. It's like twisted fairy tale horseshit or whatever he says. He tries to go <laughs> oh, after. Incredible. I, it just really uh, that act, David Keckner, I believe he he absolutely is such a gem in this role. I really really appreciated that. As well as also Aunt Dorothy also has her incredible last moment where she shoots a bunch of things in the face, uh, and then yeah. her last line is. I'll see you in hell. And she just goes down like a Kathy Bates ass motherfucker just all the <laughs> well, way. There's like a weird sound when she gets like there pulled is. away. It's like, whoop! <laughs> there is like a whoop! Yeah. It's like a whoop sound. It's the most fucking anime, uh, anime, uh, it's the most cartoonish moment of this whole movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rosie the dog also has her final moment. I believe it's actually just before all of this. But yes, Rosie the dog uh, is also uh, played by Thor the dog. I, I watched the credits. So uh, oh. there's a cool fact for you. Uh, so there's a lot of, like, last moments here. Uh, Omi stays back to try to save the family some time because they've decided to just cut and run at this point, try to run for the snowplow. They have a whole plan uh, that Adam Scott's character has devised on a very Home Alone-ass map of the town, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is very, very good. And Which he just had around, I guess. He just I had know. it. You know, I don't know what he does for work. He had to take some calls, uh, but it's fine. Uh, maybe he's, like, in his park, Parks and Rec role here as, like, the city planner or whatever he is in sure. Parks and Rec, but it, that might have just been a, a moment there. Whatever. Everybody gets kind of picked off at this point uh, until we get to this sort of final sequence. And, Mary or Steven, do you want to kind of talk through the sort of last ten minutes or so of the movie where Max becomes a character again and, and then we get our weird ending? Does he? <sighs> Well, the movie wants. Mary, do you want to take this one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, they're all like, they're like, we gotta go. We gotta like, we're gonna take the snowplow to somewhere. Um, <laughs> we're gonna get the in the snowplow and then go after them. And uh, yeah, Omi sacrifices herself to destroy. She like confronts Krampus, and he's just like, toys. I'm like, okay, that was kind of <laughs> that was kind of disappointing. That scene. I thought I thought it's, she was yeah, gonna like, you know, deck him or something, but. Well, um, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I just did want to say, like, there is for sure. This feels to me like a scene part of the movie that feels like it probably was cut or changed at the last minute because yeah. there's a whole thing where she's like trying to light matches early on that never pays off, and it's just like, well, yeah, if she try if she locks the door and tries to lock Krampus inside with her and tries to light it on fire, that'd be something. Yeah, but since she just kind of stands, keeping the fire hot, right? There's a yeah. whole thing about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what if she had tried to like set it on fire and you're like, oh man, she did it, and then it comes out and it's on fire in like the yeah. snow, and it's like, oh fuck, now it's just on fire, like that. That would have been great yes. but yeah. no um so yeah like they're like fleeing and then the dad you know yeah they all kind of get picked off by like the the weird like krampus under the snow thing where it just <laughs> like sucks people down under the snow to catch them um yeah. and uh they like get in the snow plow and then they get it started but then max like is like no i'm gonna like go after them and yeah he like confronts the krampus who gives him like the bell with like his letter around it and he's like he does like the classic thing of like no take me instead and then the krampus is just like 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 touches one of his tears and i think like tastes it and then like they're all like pausing and then they just all start laughing like ha 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 it's foolish child and then uh He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just wanted Christmas to be like it used to be. And Krampus is like, interesting. 
bye and just like throw us <laughs> in the hell. Like, hmm, fascinating. Well, see you later. And, um, oh, good. and then wakes up. And it was all a dream, maybe? No, because then he finds a present with the Christmas Krampus bobble and the family all remembers what happened, but they've been like restored to like, like they all have the memory of what happened, but it's like normal again now. Like that was Christmas Eve, right? Yeah, I think so. It takes place over the course of three days, I think. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, So it's Christmas morning. The house is back to normal. Everyone's there but they all remember what happened. And then we zoom out to show that their house is one of many being watched in a snow globe in Krampus's workshop where he makes, uh, sin. I don't know. Like <laughs> meat hooks. It's like the meat, the meat hook workshop. <laughs> and then the monsters all jump in front of the screen and that's the end of the movie. And it's like, right. Okay. So it sounds like Merritt, you interpret this. Uh, it could be, misinterpreting your interpretation but like he's watching them now like it's almost like he's installed his like i think he's uh, you watching know amazon everyone. uh uh ring of of evil right. and like no now he's i don't i don't think them. okay i don't think he i think he was always watching them okay. i think he mm-hmm. is watching everyone constantly right. um but now that they now they know they're being watched and so like right. my question is like wh- so like what saved them? Was it like him apologizing? Because like, why didn't Omi's family like, what is his whole deal? Just like he teaches you a lesson. Like, <laughs> is it because he apologized that he was like, okay, you learned your Christmas lesson. Like your family gets to not be in hell. Um, because Omi's family never like, didn't come back. I, Omi was there, wasn't she? She is there. Yeah, no, no. But I mean like her family, like when it happened to her, oh. she was the only survivor. Right. But I guess she didn't sacrifice herself. Oh, I but, see. But also, actually, I think I know what Danielle, what you were about to say, because I, I think I if if you think what I think you think, yeah. you and I had the same different interpretation yeah. of what the ending was. I, I think they're in hell. I think he captured yeah. their souls, and they're in hell, and now they just know it. And hell, there's like a little essay. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. That was just like a cute little essay. It's not like oh, you know, this this it, it, you know piece of criticism that we all need to. Look at, but there was this this cute little uh, small essay uh, posted a couple of days ago where the thesis was like this whole this whole movie is just kind of you know uh, hell's other people. That's just sort of the idea. Like hell is Christmas and with your family, and this is they're, this they're is just doubling that... down on that theme and like fully going all the way visually with it, basically. Right. Um, but it is They're pretty like trapped ambiguous. in their house on Christmas. It's not like right. there's like a clear reading of what happens here. That's just sort of how I saw it. Like, oh, they're in hell now. This, they have to live this day every day for the rest of their lives. Oh, getting wait, getting is this the, the bloody disgusting. Thing. Is it on bloody disgusting? Let's see. Where did I, oh, I no, may have is, put this, this somewhere. This is a piece from a couple years ago. So Yeah, it's okay. not like a brand new idea or anything. So yeah, this says like, oh, maybe they're trapped in hell and like that christmas morning is gonna be like they have to live it forever but like i i don't i don't really think that there's like textual evidence for that like like there's no reason to believe that that will that they're stuck on a loop now really um to me it just really seems like oh they're like they'll be watching so be good 
I, I think your interpretation of the ending actually makes way more sense than what yeah, it does. this other person's one was. Uh, I think it's maybe, oh, but it's all up to your interpretation. Really, yeah, which is like, end. it's ambiguous, wink. Movie. <laughs> but, but as as you note in the notes, uh, Danielle, like, ambiguous plus disappointing is not a good combination. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the, uh, the little piece is called Holiday Horror, Krampus and Familial Hell. It's on the Booze Booze Situation blog. It's just a nice little look at it. But yeah, I... I I've come around to it. I watched it again last night with Vicky, my partner, who both hated the ending and uh, also saw it that way. That that now Krampus is watching, and you better you better not lose hope, or he'll you better he'll watch cut out. that hope right out of you. You know, kind yeah. of thing, oh, which is like Krampus again, is a, what about Krampus is Christmas Sam. You know, yeah, yeah, but but he's not though. That's no, the I problem. I wish That's he was. Problem. I wish he was. Me too. Yeah. Again, that's one of the, like, three alternate timelines for this movie that they could have gone down instead of going the path that they did, which was, like, to start uh, three different movies in three different acts and then not finish any of them. (laughs) Um, Uh, Yeah. But, yeah, like, you know what? Like, boy, yeah, okay. I, for some reason, merit your interpretation and Vicky's interpretation. Like, I think that, I think you're probably right now, now that I think about that. For some reason, I, it never occurred to me that it was just a, like, okay, be good now. But they, are, are they not, like, literally playing, like, a really slow, tinkly piano version of, like, you better watch out, you better not yeah. cry, whatever, at the end? Because I bet that, because that does to- make total sense then. And boy, howdy, what a PG-13 ass ending yep. that is, too. Well, it's also a Christmas movie ending, right? Like, that's yeah, the problem. Yeah. It's like a Christmas movie and a horror movie. And their endings are, I don't think irreconcilable, but uh, if it's a PG-13 movie, then I think there are issues, right? That's a dance to do, mm-hmm. and I don't think they put on their the best dancing shoes for that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> the thing that sucks about this, to be honest, is that, so I, I liked the first half of this movie so much that I bought it on Amazon as opposed to renting it, because I was like, mm. no, I'm going to love this. I saw, I, I saw something like half of it during Christmas, not Christmas, excuse me, Thanksgiving break at my parents' house. It's been on FX, like, every other day, apparently. Like, I, lo- I looked <laughs> up, you know, just you Google the movie, it's like, oh, next, it's playing on FX at 9 p.m. or whatever. Uh, right. With commercials and everything, you know, very uh, you know your family's house at a at a holiday style, and I was so intrigued that I was like, no, I'm gonna buy this one. I, I'm gonna watch this every year at Christmas. I'm gonna love the shit out of this, and I love the shit out of the first half, and don't yeah. think it ends super well. Um, and I kept kind of struggling with why I had such an issue with the pacing and the tone and, and it being a little all over the place. I think we've done a, a decent job here today kind of wrestling with some of those issues. But I did also want to take a look at, so we, we wrote some nice notes here uh, about, I think we went through the positives pretty nicely here. I do think it starts strong. Mm-hmm. Acting is great. Yeah, creature design is wonderful. I think everybody likes Christmas Vacation and did that super well. Omi and Dorothy are great. Uh, and, and of course, ambiguously dragging people to hell and designing creatures around that concept is actually a very clever way to get the PG-13. Thank you, Stephen. I think that was your note. Uh, mm-hmm. But I did want to talk about some of the other kind of negatives here. Uh, I don't, we won't end on a negative note, but I do want to go through a couple of the negatives that we haven't already looked at. And one of those is some of the humor, which I think most of the time this movie sells its humor beautifully, and that is very much due to the performances. They're very, very, very good performances in this movie. But yeah. the fact that they made the, the sort of, like, bigger kid 
fall for the gingerbread cookie thing is like, come the fuck out. Do you really? Why couldn't you have made that the baby or whatever? Like, you didn't need to make it like, I don't know. Like, the the kid who doesn't talk much and he's bigger. Like, it's like, it's just uncomfortable and weird. And there are a couple of, like, gender jokes that are really shitty. I actually like the fact that the, the... uh, two of the girls are, like, super tomboys uh, at, in the other family. Like, I actually think that's funny and good, and, like, I am a tomboy. I was a tomboy at Christmas. It's <laughs> not, it doesn't have to be, like, a negative, shitty thing, right? I think it's adorable yeah. that they're, like, practicing wrestling, and, like, it's, like, funny and cute. These are, like, jock girls, right? But there super are a couple of jokes that are, like, really a little below the belt about gender that are, like, oh, come on, Krampus. Like, you just, you didn't need to do that. It was already, like, a funny situation that nobody had to punch down with. And, like, there was there was kind of no need for a couple of those. There is one that Beth says. It's like, oh, Beth, like, go get killed. <laughs> like, fuck you, Beth, you know? <laughs> um, although I do love that her boyfriend is, like, a, a teenage pothead and made a special Christmas bong. And also... God. And also... That's so against the Christmas rules. Isn't it? It's <laughs> so good. Uh, it's, oh, that's really good. And I do actually like that there's a lot of, like, that the, the parents, like, love her and trust her. Like, she's a shitty teen, but she's not, like, an all-the-way shitty teen, even though with I she did not need to make a shitty gender joke. But, like, in general, she's just sort of, like, rolling her eyes. She's not being actively horrible. And, like, Max wants to spend more time with her. It's not like, I hate my sister. It's more like, I wish we hung out more. And it's like, aw, that's actually, that's a likable uh, sort of thing. But, yeah, Uh, were there other elements that we have not discussed that uh, you folks did not appreciate as much here in Krampus? I just had a quick, very quick thing to say uh, just about kind of going off of what you just said, which is I actually, uh, I... (laughs) think that this is maybe an issue with Michael Doherty in general a little bit, mm-hmm. like, and maybe it shows itself more uh, vividly here than it does maybe in Trick or Treat, but in Trick or Treat, um, I think it's literally the same kid who played Howie Jr. in that Oh movie. my oh, god! It almost couldn't be. I did not put that together, but oh my god, you're right! And that, that, like, one of the first stories of that movie is, uh, like, a kid who is, like, eating way too much candy, and it's, like, a... And he never talks in that movie, either. I'm wondering, does that... If it is the same kid, like, does he's... Does he just... I don't know. Like, those movies came out years and years apart, so I would assume that he has aged by that point, so, like... Let's find out. We're gonna need... Investigative journalism here. Uh... There you go. Uh... That kid's name is Maverick Flack, which yes. like, oh hell yeah, holy shit! Um, Put on him. No, he. I don't think he. It wasn't the same kid. Okay, but he has a very same uh, look Brett in an almost Kelly. identical role. Very similar, like a uh, uh, bigger white kid with like curlier hair. Um, C- curly red hair. Yeah. I think, in both cases. Yeah. His looks the and, same. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And and in that in the principal. Uh, sketch from uh trick or treat like it's kind of like starts with this whole thing about like this kid just like this kind of like you know uh heavier kid just eating and eating and eating and eating candy um through uh, and that's kind of a joke and then it's like oh he starts to throw up and then oh the horror stuff happens yeah um well, and that's ca- poison candy because it's poison yep. candy because uh, all of their principals are murderers. Um, <laughs> God, which, though, that, you know, that scene in Trick or Treat is really you know, good. Like, that's, that really story good. is, like, 
Man, I fucking love that. And that movie is. That movie is. I wish we were talking about it. Awesome. <laughs> I know. We're going to have to. We're absolutely going to have to. We are going to have to because it's like one of my favorite horror movies ever. So wonderful. Um, I'm, I'm adding some movies to the Asana today. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> anyway, that's all I wanted to say. It's like, I just w- wondered if it, maybe it was kind of. It, I wonder if this is just kind of an ongoing issue with his movies he a little bit. He just hates that type of kid, I guess. Like, <laughs> I, honest to God, like, did he, does he have, like, an issue with, like, a, a kids who look like this? Like, does he have, like, some... Yeah. some Maybe he was just shit? really bullied by a child that looked like that. I, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. honestly wonder, because, like, it's pretty... It's a that thing. kid it looks a lot like, like that other kid. A lot. If they, I would believe that they were related. Yeah, Brett Kelly and Maverick Brack, they yeah. look very similar. similar. You uh, know what is funny in terms of... This is a very tiny thing. Uh... But there are sisters on this cast. The uh, Beth is actually sisters oh. with the actress who plays Beth is actually sisters with the actress who plays Stevie. Oh. Which is uh, a cute and fun thing that Vicky pointed out last night uh, while watching the movie. Huh. Cool. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. It's it's always a neat little little bit of trivia for the, some of that stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. All right. Uh, so I guess we can go into our kind of final moments here. I, we don't have to grade movies. We never have to do that. No. But I felt like this was a B minus movie. Uh, hmm. Honestly, it was kind of like an A plus start and like a D ending. <laughs> and like mm. it came out, I came out positive in the wash, but much less so than I kind of could have been. I, I definitely, right. definitely feel like, man, if there was a different, if a few different decisions had been made, I feel like the strength of Tony Collette and Allison Tolman alone would have made me truly love this movie. Uh, but it, 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 it pooped the bed a little bit, but it's still a, a, a bed I would get in to have terrifying dreams in. That's how I'm going <laughs> to say that. Terrifying dreams on Christmas Eve. Yeah, delicious, terrifying dreams. Mary and Steven, do you have any, uh, any other thoughts on, on Krampus here? Uh... Let me see. Let me check my notes. See if I haven't. There's anything I haven't hit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I kind of have a thing against horror movies where the family is like triumphant in the end. Mm-hmm. Like, I, especially when the premise for that is mm-hmm. so weak. Like, just because the setup for this movie is like, why should we care about family? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But we have to. Yep. And it's like, well. That kind of sucks. Like, yeah. I kind of hate it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, like, I kind of hate when horror movies are sort of ultimately kind of socially regressive in that way of just, like, sure. yeah. the family, win- the heterosexual family unit triumphs overall. And this movie didn't do that as much as some do. Sure. Um, and I don't know. I think it was hamstrung by being, uh, by being a PG uh, film. Yeah. And uh, it was, was it definitely PG? It was PG-13. PG-13. Yeah. Uh, so you can so have one that... fuck or whatever the, <laughs> there's like some you specific. Say, you can say, f- you can say fudge. Aunt Dorothy says fudge, it. Yeah. Aunt, Aunt Dorothy does say fuck, we're fucked at one point. So. Yep. When oh, life is yeah, coming at you with, with its pants down. That was a whole line right there. Yep. Wow. You can say fucking PG-13. You get Damn. one fuck, once. I think. I think it's one fuck, Damn. two shits. There's it's some super weird. hilarious thing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I think it was hamstrung by that. I think, you know, the performances were great. Um, yeah. I yeah. haven't seen Adam Scott in anything in a long time because I, I don't know really what he's been in, but like, I guess I haven't been the following his career. Oh, he's in The Good Place? 
He's uh, he's the demon guy in the Good Place, isn't he? Okay, yeah, I I haven't watched that, so. Um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. He's like the he's like the anti uh, Ted Danson character. Interesting. Okay, is the pairing of him. I do I love so. the pairing of him and Tony Collette. I thought that was amazing. I th- I love the cast in this film. Um, the creature designs were great. Uh, I just think it it suffered. Like I think if. Uh, Trick or Treat didn't exist yeah. this movie would it, it just suffers in comparison you know yeah. and that's like not all the fault of this movie but like just because I know that Michael Doherty is capable of of Trick or Treat I went into this being much like very like oh well this isn't as good as that or like this it doesn't commit to the bit as well or like it's not as like interesting um, I, I also do want to just before we before we go I do want to um, bring up something else that I discovered recently. Yeah. Uh, I, I was tweeting about like, hey, when did Krampus become an American thing? And a lot of people gave me real answers like, oh, the 2004 Adventure Brothers episode or oh. um, <laughs> or this this bit in, um, you know, a movie or something. And uh, someone else tweeted at me and was like, um, oh, what about the Yule Lads? And I was like, what, uh-huh. are, what are the Yule Lads? And uh, <laughs> the Yule Lads are I, oh. part of Icelandic Christmas folklore, and they are the sons of Grilla and Lepaludi, uh, who are uh-huh. uh, a giantess and a lazy man, respectively, who <laughs> cook children in a large pot. They have an enormous cat who eats people who have not received any new clothes to wear before Christmas Eve. And they have... 13 sons called the Yule Lads. And um, I just want to read you their names. And like, <laughs> I'll just read you the English translations of their names because I will almost definitely not be able to read the, um, the aesthetic. Sure. <laughs> so here are the 13, uh, the 13 uh, Yule Lads who I really want a movie about now. Um, <laughs> I want, I want to see this movie next year. Sheep Coat Claude. No! He is sheep. But is impaired by his stiff peg legs. <laughs> gully Gawk. He hides in gullies, waiting for an opportunity to sneak into the cow shed and steal milk. Stubby. Abnormally short. Steals pans to eat the crust left on them. Yeah. Spoon Licker. Steals and licks wooden spoons. Is extremely thin due to malnutrition. Pot Scraper. Steals leftovers from pots. Bowl Licker. Hides under beds waiting for someone to put down their Oscar, a type of bowl with a lid used instead of dishes, which he then steals. Door slammer. Likes to slam doors, especially during the night waking people up. Skier gobbler. A Yule lad with a great affinity for skier, which is kind of like an Icelandic yogurt. Oh, of course. Sausage swiper. (laughs) Hides in the rafters and snatches sausages that are being smoked. Window peeper, a snoop who looks through windows in search of things to steal. Doorway sniffer, has an abnormally large nose and an acute sense of smell, which he uses to locate leaf bread. Meat hook, uses a hook to steal meat. And finally, candle stealer, follows children in order to steal their candles, which were once made of tallow and thus edible. So none of them... uh, kill or maim they just are kind of nuisances and i want a movie about them yes 
Merritt, I did just link you an episode of uh, 20 of Important If True. Uh, the episode of Important If True I did reference earlier in this podcast. Uh, if you want a Yule Lads cinematic universe, there is a pretty good blueprint for one laid out in that podcast. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> oh. It is one of my all-time favorite uh, uh, idle thumbs slash Important If True things of all time. It is so good. Oh. I, I genuinely recommend people go listen to that. So oh, yeah. incredible. So incredible. That's the movie we all we all want and need. Michael Doherty, you can you can uh, erase your sins in the eyes of Krampus and us by making that movie and making it very good. Right. Awesome. <laughs> I think I think that's the final word. I think that's that's where we that's where we end. What a beautiful place. What a beautiful Christmas season. And I think that's about all we have for this week. And we hope you enjoyed your cinematic journey with us. Be sure to rate and review our podcast. It actually really does help. I know it's very annoying to hear that. Please do it. It really helps us. Really appreciate it. Uh, listen to all our stuff at fanbite.com slash podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Fanbyte Media, on Instagram at Fanbyte, on TikTok. Make good TikToks. You should go watch them on at Fanbyte and, of course, on fanbite.com. And you should also totally, if you want to, watch Late Lunch, which is our excellent Monday, Wednesday, Friday talk show on twitch.com slash fanbyte. Stephen, where can people find you on the big uh, Yuletide internet? Well, that would be at Stephen Strum, S-T-E-V-E-N-S-T-R-O-M on Twitter. Awesome. And Merritt, where can people find you this uh, beautiful holiday season? Or always? Uh, at Mer- <laughs> Just for this holiday season, and then I disappear back to the <laughs> North Pole. Uh, at Merritt K. Awesome. And if anybody wants to follow me, I'm Danielle R.I. At, or rather, at Danielle R.I. on Twitter. Thank you all so much, everyone. And we will close out with our usual term. You love to see it. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Yay. That was extremely fun. Thank you folks so much. Yeah, that was great.